John Owen was known for his clear and concise preaching of the gospel, which he believed was the cornerstone of the Christian faith. One day a man approached John Owen with a question about salvation. The man asked, how can I know for sure that I am saved? John Owen replied, do you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died for your sins and rose again? The man said, yes, I do. John Owen then asked the man, do you have a sense of the love and forgiveness of God in your heart? The man replied, yes, I do. John Owen then said, if you have faith in Jesus Christ and a sense of the love and forgiveness of God in your heart, then you can be sure that you are saved. The gospel promises us eternal life through faith in Jesus. And if you have that faith, you have the assurance of salvation. I think today from our text in Romans, you will see how this happens for all of those who places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. So if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, and we're going to begin at verse 30. Our main text is Romans 10, verses 1 through 13, but um, I think it's, it's best that we start here because I believe that all of this ties together in Paul's mind. Again, that's Romans 9, beginning at verse 30. Follow along with me as I read the text for our hearing. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who died, who did not, I'm sorry, did not pursue righteousness, have obtained it. That is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear the witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. 
For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend in to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim, because... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says... Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thank God for his word. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would activate your word, that your word might work in us. We pray that your word, Lord, would come to those who do not know you. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We pray that you would help us today, Lord, that we might draw nearer to you and grow in the knowledge and in the grace of our Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The two grand conclusions in Romans 9, 30 through 31 provide insight into the nature of righteousness and salvation in the Christian faith. These verses contrast the experience of the Gentiles who found righteousness through faith with the experience of Israel who sought righteousness through the law but stumbled over Christ. And the next concluding thought is found in Romans 9, 31 through 33, when it states, but that Israel who pursued a law, Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as it were, based on works. They stumbled. 
They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, and that stumbling stone is a person. The scripture says, as it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling. Paul is quoting the Old Testament, which testifies about the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, through the law, Israel has not found righteousness even after seeking it. This conclusion highlights the limitations of the law and the need for a different approach to righteousness. Many people today are seeking after righteousness. They're trying to be righteous from themselves who is unrighteous by nature. They're trying to capture a righteousness that they cannot have in themselves. Paul explains that Israel tried to be saved by works, but stumbled over Christ, the rock, as predicted by Isaiah in Isaiah 8.14, which states, and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Then Isaiah goes on to say in Isaiah 28, 16, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. See, this serves as a warning to all people relying on their own works or efforts that they believe will lead to righteousness. These two conclusions emphasizes the importance of faith in Jesus Christ as the only path to righteousness and salvation. They also provide insight into relationship between faith and works, as well as the role of the law and the gospel. And that's for our spiritual journey. So I've entitled this sermon, The Road to Salvation, Finding Righteousness and Freedom from Sin. I have five points, if you want to follow along with me, just to help us along the way. Point number one is prayer for renewed hearts. Prayer for renewed hearts. Number two, the impossibility of works righteousness. Impossibility of works righteousness. Number three, the accessibility of God's righteousness. The accessibility of God's righteousness. Four, relying on and receiving the righteousness of God. And five, the extent of God's righteousness. Paul considered for a moment 
the righteousness of God and Israel's current rejection and unbelief. And while he pondered this thought, he believed that it was fitting to pray for the people he loved. Paul really loved his people. He wasn't ashamed about that. He, he loved who he was. He even stated once in scripture that he's willing to even die for them. He'll, he'll go to hell and let them go to heaven. Just pointing out his passion for his people. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. But Paul didn't lose focus on the reality that his people needed God. And so Paul had a, a deep love for his people, but he knew that they were in trouble. So he decided the best and most needed thing for him to do is pray. Paul had a desire to win the loss for Christ, but he also knew that his success depended upon the object of his faith. And so Paul understood before he can say a word, he needed to approach God. The one who could really help in bringing life to those who did not believe. And so Paul went to the throne and he went to God in prayer. Paul loved them, so he prayed for them. Paul had a desire for the loss. Do we have that kind of desire? For the loss. Do we get tripped up on how they look or what they have said? Or do we, do we love them anyhow? See, we even, we, we're encouraged to, to love as Christ loved us. To love unconditionally as Christ loved us. And we're to practice that daily. We're to look for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he knew that without God, it was impossible for anyone to be saved. So it's important before we go out and share a word to anybody, we want to make sure that we're spending time with God. Prayer is one of the most important things we should do before sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know that time, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't have the time to pray like we want to pray. But it's okay to every now and then send up rocket prayers. Something that's quick and straight to the point. Lord, help. God understands that. God is not a one where he will miss our prayers. The scripture says that God even knows when we, mm, the groanings, God knows everything about us. That's the beauty of having relationship with God. God makes us alive. And we must remember to trust in him. We must do it because it shows our dependence upon God. So what did Paul pray for? He prayed for renewed hearts. Paul prayed for Israel's heart to be renewed. Paul prayed that God would remove the obstacle that prevented the people.
people from being saved. Here, Paul had a heart for the people he was sharing the gospel with. You know, you, sometimes we got to stir ourselves up before we go out. Right? We have to know who we're dealing with. And we have to put certain things away so that we don't let anything distract us from delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ that will bring salvation. Why? Because that's what love does. Love will tackle someone down to save them that they might not go into trouble. Love is action. And Paul started with this. It was out of love that he prayed. And so Paul, he loved the people. And so now we understand that certain people will be drawn to us just as Paul was drawn to his people. We understand that. Right? And that's okay because we see Paul expressing the same kind of sentiments. It's okay to love the people group from which you were born out of. There's nothing wrong with that. God made us the way we are, and that's fine. That's good because God doesn't make no junk. Amen? That's straight out of New Orleans. <laughs> the beauty of that is that we know that God loves us despite of the melanin in our skin. Why is that? For in truth, there's only one race of people. That's the human race. Is that right? So how can we bleed the same blood and let melon divide us? Right? Because there's a misunderstanding of how God made us in his image. The scripture says that God made everything and it was good. But when he came to mankind, he said it was very good. And that's, why, that's how we must see ourselves and how must, how must we see others. We're to see others in the same way. So Paul prayed for the people that they would recognize their own sin. Paul had a passion for the lost. Uh, see there in verse 1, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. He understood that their sin hindered them from having right relationship with God. He recognized that they also had a passion. All right? He saw how passionate they were, but he also knew that their passion was misdirected. We see it there in the text in verses 2 and, two and 3. He states, for I bear them witness. Uh, it's like Paul is saying, I saw for myself. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Their, their zeal was a foolish kind of zeal that caused many problems. Thomas Brooks says, zeal is like fire in the chimney. It is one of the best servants. But out of the chimney, it is one of the worst masters. 
Zeal kept by knowledge and wisdom in its proper place is a choice servant to Christ and saints. But zeal not bounded by wisdom and knowledge is the highway to undo all to make a hell of many at once, unquote. Paul said that the people were zealous without knowledge. The people had misdirected zeal. There's a lot of genuine and open and wholehearted people that are sincerely wrong about their salvation. Just because people are passionate about what they are saying and does not always equal truth leading to salvation. We must say what God says and live according to the truth. The people sought righteousness without faith. In verse 3, Paul said that the people were being ignorant of the righteousness of God. And seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. We see it all the time when we're witnessing to people, that's good for you. Right? When we quote the scriptures and say what God said, that they say that's good, that's good for you. The same thing that they said in Paul's day. They they tried to establish their own righteousness. They think that they can get into God's kingdom by something that they have created in their own minds. And so they disagree with God. They oppose God. And they say things like, I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't, I don't believe the way you, that's your book. And I understand that's you and all of those things. But hey, I'm doing my own thing. Which is interesting. No one who determined to be here. Someone who came here by somebody else's decision who somehow has control over all things. Their souls. It doesn't make sense. It's not even reasonable. So Paul prayed for the people. Unless the self-righteous men and women were willing to give up their own kingdoms, they will never have Jesus as their Lord and, will, and, and be willing to call on him to be saved to enter into his kingdom. We can't make up our own rules. We can get in only by the provision and the means that God have made. And the Lord himself says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. There is no way to the Father except through me. He makes it clear. There's no way. No means nothing. I think that's true in every language. No is no. So Paul is expressing that the problem that most of us have is that we are unwilling to acknowledge our own sins. Instead, we rather believe that we have a better plan than God. So what's your plan? If you are here today and you don't have a plan, when you die, you are in trouble. You are in grave danger. 
And so Christ is your only hope of escape. He is your only hope. Here's the problem. If you're trying to reach heaven by your own doing, apart from Christ, you will never make it. Because his standard is too high and your ladder is too short. You won't make it. And so therefore, we must use what's been provided for us. And the son is the only one who can reach heaven. The son is the only one who can build the mediation between man and God. Jesus is the mediator between man and God. He is able to bring life to all. And so, what is your plan? You see, your Mount Everest will never be high enough to reach heaven. According to Romans 3 verse 2, it says, But now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law, separate from the law. In other words, it's not your doing. There's nothing that you have to do. There's no seven steps to salvation, right? There's there's no seven steps of doing this or doing that. Nonsense. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Then in Romans 3.26, it says, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and justifier. You see, the law exposes us. The law is like a mirror. And when we step into it, we see all of the imperfections and we realize that we're in trouble. Unless we look to the one who is able to save us. The Lord, Jesus Christ, the one who is the summation of the law. The next idea and point in the text is that the impossibility of works, righteousness, a.k.a. salvation by works of the law. There's only one source where God's righteousness can be found. The righteousness of God is found only in Christ Jesus. Listen again to Romans 10.4. For Christ is the end of the law, the righteousness to everyone who believes. In other words, it's finished. He did it. He is the completion of the law. He is the one who has kept and fulfilled the law. And so there is no other thing that is needed. It's not Christ's end. It's Christ alone. And so listen to, and you know, one of the things that we must do is to just to remember that there's nothing else for believers to do. Don't don't be tricked into believing that there's something else that you need to do to be saved because Christ made possible what the law could never do. 
He is the purpose and end of the law. So don't let anyone bring you back under rules and regulations. Enjoy your freedom in Christ. For those whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. Live out your life in Christ, trusting him, the mediator between God and man, the just and justifier, the one who have saved us. Enjoy your freedom. Don't go back into the prisons of this world believing that you have to do something to save yourself. We're free. We are free people. And so Romans, in Romans, um, what, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 and 1, it says, For our sake made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him. You see, the things that we need to have in order for us to be made right with God, the only way we can have God's righteousness is to have Christ. Christ is that righteousness. And so, apart from Christ, we are in trouble. Listen to what the scripture says about the impossibility of a righteousness found apart from Christ. In Romans 8, Beginning at verse 3, Paul emphasizes this when he states, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The righteousness of God is not possible according to the law or works done in the flesh because it cannot resolve the problem of sin. The law instead points at you and says, you failed there. You failed there. You failed there. You don't deserve to make it in. But Jesus says, I have done it for him. I have done it for her. It is finished. I have kept the law there. I've kept the law there. I've kept the law there. I've done everything that is needed for salvation because I am the end of the law. This is what Christ have done. He resolved the problem of sin. That's why no one should try to earn their way into the kingdom of God. Instead, trust the son. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, not as sinful flesh, to deal with sin once and for all, so that the law would be fulfilled in all believers, setting them free from the law of sin and death. Christ came to give spiritual life. And to all who would believe in him, they should have that life. He's made that clear. I've come to give up my life. No one takes it away. I give it up freely. He was on mission. Romans 6.14, for the sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. 
Romans 7, 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we might bear the fruit of God. We've been released according to Verse 6, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We are free. And so these verses remind us that we're no longer controlled by sin. We have the ability to live above sin because we have the Spirit of God living in us. And nobody can hold down the Spirit of God. We have the power of God in us. Therefore, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Paul adds that the righteousness of the law was written and foretold by Moses. This is a quote from Leviticus 18.5. And it says, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. Paul is quoting that text. And it's a problem. You can live by them. But you had better kept every single one of them. For the scripture teaches it that if you have broken one, a single iota, you've broken anything in the law, it's as if you've broken them all. Why? Because one sin is grounds for disqualification from, from entering a perfect heaven. See, there needs to be a change. There needs to be a renewal And that renewal, that new life, Jesus says, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It must be new birth. We can't enter the kingdom of God, of God through natural means. We must be born again through what Christ have provided for us. Come unto me, he says. All you who are laden and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. Come. That's what's needed. The coming, the calling on the Lord Jesus Christ, not doing. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The text goes on to say that if we don't believe in him, we're condemned already. Our heads are on the guillotine if we don't know Christ. But if we do, we've been spared and we can look forward to that celestial city where every day is going to be joy and peace and satisfaction. There will be no cancer there. There will be no migraines or headaches or any of those things. Everything is going to be joy unspeakable. We have to get ready. I don't know about you, but when I was in high school and college, and we know that there was going to be a party, oh, we was going to be ready. We getting our clothes ready, all of those things. It was going down. (laughs) I'm just telling the truth. (laughs) Uh, In other words, I'm not saying I was... 
you know, planning to commit sin. I know sin might have happened, but we was just caught up in the experience and the joy and the moment, right? And we must know, we must base our theology on the word of God so that we can enjoy God fully. But we have to come by the means that he has provided. And so Paul is recognizing that, that there is a problem. And the problem is that in trying to keep the law, whoever decides to live by them have to account for them all. Next, uh, the accessibility of God's righteousness, the righteousness of God is available to all who will believe in verses 6 to 8. In Romans 6 to 8, the Apostle Paul explains the availability of God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. He writes, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. In other words, Paul is saying that the righteousness of God, which is obtained through faith in Jesus Christ, is accessible to you right now. Everyone here, the righteousness of Christ is accessible to you right now. You don't have to go to the deeps. You don't have to go to the heights. No one has to go get it and bring it to you. It's as close as your mouth and your heart. All you have to do is believe. That's how close it is. It's accessible. Jesus makes the righteousness of God available to everyone regardless of where they are or what they have done. And it is not a matter of physical or uh, descent, but of faith in the message of the gospel. In other words, his word will not return to him void. There's no need to search for the righteousness of God in heaven or beneath the earth to find. The righteousness of God is brought near through Christ. In Romans 10, verse 8, and, and, and that, that, that text that uh, Paul is quoting there is from Deuteronomy 30. Uh, the text we read, Deuteronomy 30. But in Romans 10, 8, it says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. The verse, this verse is often understood as referring to the gospel message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. According to Paul in this verse, the message of salvation is not far away, but rather it is close to us, both in our understanding and in our ability to confess it. In other words, the gospel is easily accessible to everyone who hears and has the opportunity to respond in faith. It is not distant or hidden, but can be proclaimed with the words of one's mouth and believed in one's heart. What are you going to do with that?
right? It's dangerous to live apart from Christ. What will you do with the truth? Right? We're not ignorant anymore. Right? The scriptures have been clear to us on what's needed for salvation. Will we just, I got time. What, what will we do with it? If we know the truth, the scripture says the truth ought to set us free. So why would we know truth and still remain in bondage? Right? Next, relying on the receiving and righteousness of God uh, must be received. In Romans 9 and 10, the text says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, help me church, saved. Saved. I didn't ask you to do anything. The only thing that's required is belief. Don't create a standard that God is not creating. And sometimes we make it hard for ourselves. We create our own standard, our own law. I want to come, but, you know, I just want to stop doing this. And, you know, uh, I just want to read more. For what? You understand? If, If you understand, the scripture says, believe and be saved. Period. Do you want him? Do you want Christ? Do you want salvation? The scripture says, for with the heart one believes and is justified. Right? And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's the book. Just say what God says. Just say God said it and I believe it. So relying on And receiving the righteousness of God begins with the heart. That means man's will, his motivation, his desires, his wants will come under the Lordship of Christ. That's what we're saying. Everything coming under the Lordship of of Christ. And so when the heart receives the righteousness of God, the mouth speaks. Right? When, When... when something happen, is happening in the heart, we find ourselves singing songs because the heart is happy, right? And it's the same thing if, if something is going on with the heart and the heart is corrupted, that too will come out, you see? And the one who can correct that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He will Bring about the changes in you so you don't have to try to correct everything before you come to Christ. You know what that's like? And I heard this, me and Sandra was listening, looking at a video on evangelism or something like that. And the man said, he was trying to explain the, to the person there's no need for them to have to change before they come to Christ. So he said, do you take a bath before you take a shower? That's crazy. We don't clean ourselves up to get in the tub or to take the shower, right? We go in and we're clean. And it's the same way with Christ. You come in and he cleans you. It's not dependent upon you. He is the soap. 
He cleans us. He washes us inside and out. He washes our mind and our hearts. He helps us that we might even do the right things. We cannot do it on our own. We are dependent upon God. You see? So, when the heart receives right, the righteousness of God, the mouth speaks, it confirms what the heart believes. The righteousness of God must be received by faith, according to Romans 9 and 10. Faith involves trusting in the work of Jesus, not in your own work, trusting in the work of Jesus on the cross, believing that he died for our sins and rose from the dead and confessing disbelief with our mouth. It's kind of like what Pastor Kurt was talking about the other, the other week, right? This woman at the well. He said, he told me everything that I had done. But if you go further in the text, she, as she went out to tell the people, I don't mean to uh, <laughs> tell your text, but, but there's a change, right? And they're going to say, we don't need to hear from you anymore. They make it personal. And they said, we know for ourselves, right? And that's something that everyone has to do. They has to come to a knowledge of Christ for themselves and believe and confess and be saved. Receiving the righteousness of God leads to salvation. When we place our faith in Jesus, we are declared righteous in God's eyes, and we receive the gift of salvation. The righteousness of God is available to all who call upon the name of the Lord. See that in verse 13. This means that anyone, regardless of their background or circumstance, can receive the righteousness of God by placing their faith in Jesus. Lastly, let's look at the extent of God's righteousness and I'll be done. Another way to express the same idea could be the nature of God's righteousness. In 11 through 13, uh, we see this. It is non-discriminatory because God's righteousness does not make a distinction between Jew and Gentile. And any person who calls on the name can receive salvation. We see that in Romans 10 through 13. Paul is painting a beautiful picture of the incredible, awe-inspiring extent of God's righteousness. It's for all who would believe in him. Right? Nothing is hindering. No, No melon in our skin. No money in the bank account, none of those things. He have made his righteousness available to all who would believe in him. And so it is the truth that has the power to transform our lives in the world. If we are willing to allow it, it is possible with God. Why is it possible. It is possible because, one, it is unbiased, according to Romans 10, 11, and 12. Look there again. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. So, 
close your eyes for a moment. Imagine with me. Imagine a world where people are not divided by race, ethnicity, or any other superficial differences. That's exactly what God's righteousness is like. It doesn't make distinctions between Jews and Gentiles or any other group of people. This means that no matter who you are or where you come from or what you have, God's love and grace are available to you. This is the message of hope for all people, and it has the power to bring us together as one. Lastly, it is also, you can open your eyes, it is also inclusive. <laughs> I want y'all be preaching to you and you have your eyes closed. <laughs> What's taking them so long? <laughs> um, lastly, it is also all-inclusive and all-embracing. We recognize that in Romans, Romans 10, 13, because there, is the, there in the text it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. That means that God's righteousness for everyone, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. In other words, this is a message for, this is a message of hope for the hopeless, of love for the loveless, and of grace for the fallen. It's not just a message for religious or spiritual. It's a message for everyone. This is the good news of the gospel, and it's an invitation for you to experience the love and grace of God in your own life. So friends, don't let this truth pass you by. Embrace it. Live it. And share it with the world. The scope of God's righteousness has the power to change everything. But do we live like that? Or do we moan and complain like the world? As if the world is going to give us an answer. Why do we come alongside the world and we complain and moan? The scripture says, in all things give. What? Thanks. Right. And when we do that, people will ask you, what's wrong with you? Nothing to be thankful for. It's hard out here in these streets. <laughs> the truth is, we are not look like the world when we come to know Christ. Because we have the power of God at work in us. So the extent of God's righteousness is incredible. It is powerful and can transform our lives and the world. Do you believe that? And so, I'm going to stop right there, but I'm going to say, just in conclusion, the road to salvation is a journey that leads us to finding righteousness and freedom from sin. Through prayer, for renewed hearts, we can recognize the impossibility of achieving works righteousness, not on our own, but through Christ. However, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have this access to God's righteousness and can rely on and receive it in our lives. The extent of God's righteousness is boundless and is available to all who believe. May we embrace the journey towards salvation and find the freedom and peace that comes from relying upon God's righteousness. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your word.
We pray that your word would be active in our lives as we leave this place. Help us not to be hearers only, but doers of your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.